Well, it's good to see you this morning. If we don't know each other, my name is Brian. I'm the associate pastor here at Mount Hope, and it's good to see you today. As I look at you this morning, I can't help but think, some of you are actually in this room this morning because you think that if you show up today in this room, that the Patriots actually have a better chance of going to the Super Bowl. (laughs) You were on the fence this morning, and you thought, if I don't go, God may punish me and bless the people of Indiana. A lot of people in church in Indiana this morning, but I don't think that's how it works. God has, however, rewarded you for coming and getting up and, and do, take, making all the effort to get to the church. He has rewarded you this morning with a sermon about money. So I know you're excited to be here. I know that some of you got up this morning and maybe you said to yourself, I'll go to church as long as that pastor doesn't talk about money. Well, I have bad news for you today. We are talking today about giving and about money. There's two reasons why at least once a year at Mount Hope we talk about money. Two important reasons. One reason we talk about money at least once a year and do a sermon on money and giving is because the Bible talks about money. In fact, in The Bible, there's over 2,000 verses on gifts or money or stewardship. Jesus talked more about money and his ministry than any other topic. And at Mount Hope, we talk about what the Bible talks about. And because the Bible talks about money, we talk about money. And the other reason we talk about money is because the Bible makes it clear that there is a link we cannot get away from between how we view material things and the spiritual well-being of our souls. There's a link that we just can't run away from between the spiritual health of our hearts and of our souls and the way that we look at, the way that we view, and the way that we use money. If we look at the Bible, we can't get away from it, we can't deny it. And because we care about the well-being of our hearts, and we care about the well-being of our souls, and we want us to be in a healthy place spiritually, we talk about this topic. We don't talk about it uh, because we have a budget thing that we're trying to meet. We don't talk about it because there's a campaign that we're starting. We talk about it because it's important to God, and so it's important to us. Specifically this morning, we're going to talk about giving gifts, giving good gifts, and what that looks like and what that means, especially when it comes to our relationship with God. Now, we've just come through a season where most of us gave and received gifts, something that we do every Christmas. Most of us, uh, when it comes around to Christmas, we are in the, in the habit of, of giving gifts and, and receiving gifts. It's probably the time of the year we give more gifts at Christmas time than we do any other time of the year. There's other times where we give gifts, birthdays, maybe anniversaries, other big moments in people's lives, graduations, weddings, whatever the case may be, we give gifts. But Christmas is a time where we look across the spectrum of the relationships that we have and we give gifts across that spectrum. We give gifts at Christmas to the people that we know very well, and sometimes we give gifts at Christmas to the people that that we have looser relationships with. 
But across the entire spectrum of a relationship, often we give gifts around that season. So I may give a gift uh, to a, a coworker or a business associate. Maybe I'm involved in some sort of office giving pool. Maybe I go to a, a Yankee swap and so I bring a gift to that party. And we bring gifts to people that we have a looser relationship with. And then at that season, we also bring gifts and we give gifts to the people that we're closest to. We give gifts to our friends. We give gifts to our spouses. We give gifts to our children. We give gifts to the people that we are closest to as well. And we give gifts all across the spectrum. When we give those gifts, when we give those gifts across the spectrum, there is a rule that exists. A, a, something that happens inside of our hearts. There's a, there's a law that, that exists when we give those gifts. And the, and the rule is this. The more important a relationship is to me, or... The, the closer I am to a person when I give them a gift, the more it matters to me if they're pleased when they open it. It's true, right? The more that, that I uh, appreciate someone, the more important that person is to me, the closer that I am in relationship with them, the more it matters to me that they, when re they receive the gift that I bring. When they, when they open up what it is that I've given them, that they're pleased with what they open. So my wife and I dropped off a, t a tin of cookies to some of our neighbors before Christmas. And then I went out and I spent time and energy and thought about something to give to my wife. On Christmas morning, it is far more important to me that my wife opens up her present and is pleased with what she receives than the neighbor opens up a tin of cookies and is happy with the cookies. I hope they love the cookies. I hope the cookies are great, but I mean, they, they should be happy we thought about them at the end of the day, right? I really want my wife, I really want my wife to be pleased with what she receives, because that matters. I want my kids to, to be pleased with that, what they receive. I want to give good gifts to the people who are closest to me and matter the most. And the same is true. Maybe it's, it's a distant gift, a distant relationship, or, or uh, it's a business relationship. You go online and you send a basket. But the people that are closest to you, more time and energy and effort, and, and in many cases, money is spent to give them a gift that they find good and pleasing. Now, if we've chosen to follow Jesus Christ with our lives, then we are in a relationship with God. And in that relationship with God, we bring gifts to him. In fact, we just had a time in our worship service where we brought our gifts to God. That's what we do each week. As a part of our worship service, we bring our gifts to God. And there's many ways to bring gifts to God. There's many uh, ministries that you can support. There's many great things that are happening for the kingdom of God, missionaries who are going and, and, and people who are preaching and, and things that are happening and, and ways to give around the globe to the, to the kingdom of God. There are many ways to bring gifts to God. But when we bring those gifts, do we ever ask the question to ourselves, is God pleased with the gift that I'm bringing? I care a lot about the people who are closest to me. When I give them a gift, I want them to be happy with the gift. I want them to be meaningful. 
Some of us, I mean, we put, uh, even when we don't spend a lot of money on someone who's close to us, we will spend maybe hours and hours and hours. Some people have the skill of making things and being able to create things. Hours and hours and hours customizing something so that when that person opens up that gift, they are pleased with it. If we have a relationship with God, surely that relationship is the most important relationship in our lives. So have we ever taken the time to think about what it means to bring a gift to the most important relationship in our life that is pleasing to him? See, from the very beginning of the Bible, it's made clear that there are some gifts that are brought to God that he's not pleased with, and some gifts that are brought to God that he is pleased with. Do we know the difference? Have we ever thought long enough to think about what the difference is? And have we ever challenged ourselves to think through, is the gift that I'm bringing one that's pleasing to God or displeasing to him? And what's the difference? Adam and Eve were the first people on earth. You know that story. Hopefully the Garden of Eden and they had children and two of their sons were Cain and Abel and Cain was a farmer and Abel was a shepherd. It's right there in Genesis chapter four. A time came when Abel and Cain brought gifts to God. Abel the shepherd brought a lamb. Cain the farmer, he brought some of his crops and we don't know exactly all of the reasons in this story but right away from the very beginning of time it is made clear that God is pleased with some gifts and displeased with others he accepts Abel's gift very pleased with Abel's gifts and rejects Cain's gift if you know the story Cain's so upset about this that he ends up killing his brother Abel but right in the beginning we see it's not that they didn't both bring gifts both gifts cost them something Both gifts were important to their livelihood, and yet one was accepted and one was not. Well, what's the difference? Have we taken time to think about it? When is God pleased with our gifts? I think most of us, when we come into this relationship and we think about giving to God, there is a pattern that we follow. There's a a three-step process that most of us follow when it comes to giving to God. I've followed this process in my life, and maybe as we walk through it, you'll say, yeah, this is kind of how I think about it as well. In fact, I would argue that a majority of people who say they follow Jesus Christ, this is the way that we approach giving to God. There's a three-step process that we use, and the first step that we usually think about is when we think about giving a gift to God, we go and we say, all right, well, what are the rules about giving a gift to God? What are the rules that God wants me to follow? We like rules make it easy. If we understand the rules, then we can understand what it is that God wants us to do. And so the very first thing we think to ourselves is, well, what is the rule? And we're not going to get a lot, we're not really going to get into this a lot this morning, but the basic rule that's in Scripture is, is that God asks us to give a tenth to him, to bring a tithe to him. It's in the Old Testament. I would argue it's in the New Testament. There's a lot of things that that go on around that, a lot of the questions we don't have time for this morning. But the basic rule that's in Scripture, the basic rule is a tenth. At the very least, what we know from Scripture is that God tells his people to be extremely generous when they give gifts. That is throughout the Bible, that his people would be generous people, generous people. And we see this rule that exists in scripture and we look at the rule and we say to ourselves, all right, this is what God wants. We heard the preacher, we read the the verses. God is asking for a tenth, he's asking for a tithe, 10%, that's the rule. And then we move on from the rule to our resources. Now, maybe you're different 
uh, than the rest of us. But most of us in this room, you're probably different, most of us in this room, uh, when we go to the computer screen and we look at our resources, or, or we go and, and consider what we have available to us, you're probably different, but most of us um, are, do not look at that number and then scream for our spouse and say, honey, what are we supposed to do with this giant pile of money that's left over? What do we, so there's this giant number on the screen and I can't figure out exactly how we're supposed to get rid of all this money. That's not our normal experience. Most of us go and we look at our resources and we think to ourselves, man, we are stretched thin. I don't even know if there's enough here to, to pay everything that we're supposed to pay. I'm not even sure how we're supposed to pay everything we're supposed to pay. And then, you know, they said on, we should be saving like 529 and 401k and all the IRA and all, we should be setting all this money aside and, and we should be doing all of these things. I don't, even, I don't even know that we have the resources to be able to get done what we need to get done. In fact, if I were to look at my resources and then look at, at the bills that I have and look at how much it costs me to live, I mean, it costs a ridiculous amount of money to live in this part of the country. If I look at how much it costs to live, we have to have cars, and we just not one, we need two cars, and we gotta pay for the gas in those cars, thank goodness that's gone down, and we gotta pay for the insurance on those cars, and then we have all the other expenses. I mean, we have to pay, you have to have cable, how can you possibly live without cable and we have to have the internet and you have to have we got to have a smartphone get the internet with you and then you got to have the internet on your tablet and then you got to have netflix well how could you live without netflix how could you not watch house of cards and amazon prime you got to pay for amazon prime it's free shipping just two days you got to have it you got to have all of these things so we look at our resources and we look at everything that we've committed ourselves to everything that we've committed ourselves across the spectrum and we go back to the rule and we say to god god it's impossible to do what you're asking me to do. I cannot afford it. Look at my resources. I understand the rule, I heard the rule. But look at my resources. I cannot in any way afford what you're asking me to do. I have all these other bills, all these other things that we're committed to, and I just can't do it, what you're asking me to do. And finally we come to our relationship with God, and so we get to God and we say, God, you're important, but I just, I've considered my resources and I can't do what I, you're asking me to do. I can't, I can't do it. I can't afford it. It can't happen. So I'll give you what I can give you because what happens is when we go through this process, a few things start to happen. One is we start to worry. We start to worry about all the things that we have to take care of and, and all the things that we have to do. And, and if we were ever to give 10%, we couldn't even afford to live. So there's no way we're gonna give God what he's asking us to give because it, we start to worry and we see all the things that we have to do and all the things that we've committed ourselves to and all the things that we have to pay each and every month and we start to worry. And then some of us, we start to get upset and we say to ourselves, well, why would God require this? And, and why does the church talk about this? And why would God ask me to do this if I can't even afford to do it? If I had a lot of money, if I was blessed like other people, I would do it. But I'm not blessed like that. And we start to get upset. And then some of us become Bible scholars and we start to get very scholarly and we start looking at the Hebrew and Greek and we, say to, we start asking questions, well, I don't know if it's on the gross or the net. 
I don't know, God has to understand that Uncle Sam, he comes and takes his percentage. And so, and so God probably understands that, and he probably took that into account, you know, 2,000 years ago when he was talking about this, or 4,000 years ago. He probably thought about the fact that there's taxes. And so do I do the gross or the net? And is it an Old Testament concept or is it a New Testament concept? I don't know if the 10% is a New Testament thing or an Old Testament thing. And can I just tithe my time? I think I looked at the Greek and the Hebrew, and then it says I could just tithe my time or my gifts or something else. I could give 10% of something else because I can't afford to give 10% of my money money and we start to get worried and we get upset and we start to ask all these other questions and start to rationalize it out and the end result okay the end result is that in 2012 church members the the people that are most committed to the church and to Jesus Christ church members gave on average $861.27 to ministry now I'm not trying to say that just to to be upset with people or make you feel guilty. I'm just saying either there's a whole lot of Christians out there living on $8,600 a year or, or we go through this process and we get to the end and we just say, God, this is, this is what we have left over. This is what we have available to you. And I can't help but wonder to myself, does God find this process pleasing? I think I've approached it this way myself. I think a lot of us approach it this way. Would God find this process pleasing? Where we hear hear what he's asking us to do. We think about what we have and all the things we have to pay. And at the end, we are willing to offer him kind of what's available at the end. Jesus in his ministry on this earth was talking to some of his followers. And in Matthew chapter 6, actually the same chapter that we looked at last week when we were talking about the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, he's talking to some of his followers. And he's talking to his followers, and they've got the same thing going on. In fact, he knows that they're worried about the things of this world. That they can't do what God's asking them to do because they're so worried about the things of this world. And Jesus says to them, why are you worried Why are you so worried about the clothes that you need to wear? And why are you so worried about the food that you need to eat? Why are you so worried about the resources that you have to buy? God knows that you need them, and he is a good provider. Why are you so worried, Jesus says? He said, take a look at the birds, the birds of the air. The birds, they don't plant crops, and yet God makes sure they eat. And he said, look at the flowers of the field. They don't have jobs, but God makes sure that they're clothed. Stop running after these things like people of the world, Jesus says. And know that your God will provide them. And in fact, when he says, when it comes to thinking about these things, here's what you should do. Don't put the relationship with God last, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added to you as well. Jesus is talking to people in the same mindset in Matthew chapter 6. They're worried about how they're going to afford everything. They're worried about how they're supposed to give to God what God requires when there's so many things to pay and so many things to do in this world. And Jesus tells them, why are you so worried like you don't have God on your side? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. You see, in that one verse, in that one passage, what Jesus does is he turns the entire thing around. And he says, don't think about the rules and then your resources and then the relationship. Put Put your relationship with God first above it all. Think about who he is first. 
as the most important relationship that you have, as the most important relationship in your life. Think about him and that relationship first. Think about who he is before you do anything else. Think about who he is as your provider. Think about who he is as your redeemer. Think about who he is as your restorer. Think about who he is as the one who sits on the throne in control of all the world. Think about God first. Think about his kingdom first. Think about his righteousness first. Before you get into all the rules and what you have in your bank account, think about that relationship above it all. And maybe Maybe instead of going to our paycheck and trying to figure out what we can give God, just maybe we should be going to God first and asking him in relationship with him what it is that he wants us to give. Maybe we should be getting on our knees. Maybe I should be getting on my knees first before I ever go to my spreadsheet or my check register. Maybe I should be getting on my knees first and putting the relationship first and getting down to God and spending time with him and saying, God, what is it that you want me to give out of relationship with you? And then all of a sudden, the rules and the resources don't matter that much. When the relationship comes first. See, God is most pleased with our giving when we give out of abundance of relationship with him. When we're not obligated by rules, and we're not just doing what we feel like we can afford, but when we put our relationship with him first and we give in such a way that out of that relationship that he would be pleased. Just in the way we would give a gift to the person that we think is close to us, we think about them and who they are and what they love and we give accordingly in the same way in our relationship with God that we think about who he is. The God and our king and give accordingly. I mean, what does this look like? How does this change our attitude? I think one good place to look quickly is back in the Old Testament. In the time of King David, you know David, of David and Goliath, he became king over God's people. He was the second king over God's people after Saul. David knew that they needed to build God a temple. And David thought he was the one to do it. David thought he was the one to build the temple. And so he started getting all the preparations ready. And God comes to David and he says, David, you're not the one to build my temple. In fact, you're a fighter. You're a warrior. David was in many, many battles, if you know David's stories. He said, because you've been such a fighter and a warrior and you've shed so much blood, you're not the one to build my temple. In fact, your son, Solomon, he'll build the temple. Solomon, he's, he's, you're a fighter. Solomon, he's a lover, not a fighter. It gets Solomon in trouble later, but, but he's a lover, not a fighter. He will build the temple. And so David now has these plans for a temple that he'll never see and he'll never be a part of. And this is what he does. David steps up in front of his people and he gives, it's all in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, he gives 110 tons of gold to the making of the temple. And then he gives about 260 tons of silver to the making of the temple. And then he asks his leaders to give. And the leaders underneath David, they give about 190 tons of gold to the building of the temple, plus an extra 185 pounds of gold. Then they give 375 tons of silver, 675 tons of bronze, and 3,750 tons of iron, all to the building of a temple that none of them will ever see. And then David 
who has put his relationship with God first, prays this prayer. And I think this prayer is so telling of someone who puts the relationship with God first and gives out of that relationship and not out of the obligation of the rules compared to resources. This is what he prays. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly saying, listen to his heart, listen to his heart after giving all of this money. Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. And listen to this question. Listen to this question. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. We have given you only what comes from your hand. Who am I, David says. Can you imagine that heart after giving so much? I don't know what David's total wealth was, but it's a lot. 110 pound, tons of gold and 260 tons of silver. It's a lot of money. And then to go to God after giving that and say, God, who am I that I would even have the ability to do this and to give generously to you? You see, when the relationship with God comes first, giving to God moves from something we have to do to something we get to do. It becomes something of obligate, moves from something of obligation to something of faith and trust. God asks a lot of us because by asking a lot of us, he engages our hearts and he engages our souls and he makes us trust him first. What does it look like today? The leader of our network, his name's Pastor Bob Wise. Some of you met him a couple of years ago. He and his wife, Jane, share the story that when they started in ministry and they first got married, that they decided that they were going to give 10% of their income. Now, he's, he was a, a young pastor at a small church. I, I don't know what that was, but it probably wasn't much. And they decided we're going to live in such a way that we can give 10% of our income to God. And they said, we are going to increase that by one percentage point every year. Well, they just celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. And from what he said, and I believe him, they've lived like that the whole time. Because the relationship's first. Not their resources, the relationship with God is first. And they're gonna trust him that if they give the way that God's calling them to give. Now, I'm not saying that God's calling all of us to, to come to a place where we're giving maybe 60% of our income to, to his kingdom, but I am saying that all of us need to get into his presence and ask God what it is that he wants us to do. That we would put the relationship with God over the rules and over the resources and give like he's asking us to give. God just doesn't want us to give out of the rules. He doesn't want us to give just out of obligation. He wants us to give out of our relationship with him. And that is pleasing. I'm going to invite our worship team back up as we close our, message, our service this morning. And you know, a funny thing happens. Funny thing happens. 
When we engage in relationship first with God and then consider the rules and our resources later, all of a sudden for every 10 of these that we get, when we think about who God is, who God is in light of his glory and his majesty and his provision and his guiding and the fact that he sits on the throne and that he is in charge and that he is over everything and provides everything and cares for everything. When we consider who God is and then we look at 10 of these, it's almost kind of silly that God only asked for one. When we consider who he is in light of who we are, Be careful. You might actually come to the conclusion that he even deserves more. God, we love you this morning. We give you honor and glory because you're the only one who deserves it. And God, we thank you that you would want to have a relationship with us. God, we thank you that you would be willing to come down to this earth and to have your son die on the cross for our sins, that you would redeem us, that you would restore us, that you would make us whole. God, would you forgive me for the way I value your, the things of this world over your kingdom? God, forgive me for where I've confused my wants with what I need to live on this earth. God, forgive me for the times that I have put my selfish desires ahead of your kingdom. And God, forgive us as your church, not just Mount Hope, but as your people across this world for the times that we invest our resources into the things of this world and ignore our relationship with you. God, help us to be the kind of people who look to you first. Consider who you are and give out of the abundance of that relationship, trusting you that you're in control and that you will provide just like you say you will.